Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Crillo. Today, we have Ramakrishna Chunchu. He has more than 15 years of experience as an IT professional and has been investing in real estate since 2015, both as a limited partner and also as a general partner. So thank you so much for being on the show today, Rama. Thank you very much, Charles. Thank you for this opportunity. Really yeah. yeah, it's great to have you on and uh, to hear about your story and also your whole um you know, your whole progression from going from IT into single family into multifamily and and beyond. So please tell us a little bit about your background, both uh, personally and professionally prior to getting involved with uh, real estate investing. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Thank you. So yeah, I'm basically a born and brought up in India and I studied in India and worked a couple of years there in IT field and came to US around, around 2007. So started working IT side, you know, worked in IT field 15 plus years and started investing in real estate around 2014-15, you know, started mm -hmm. with single families and invested a couple of years, then switched towards multifamily uh, with the different reasons like, you know, that we can uh, deep, uh, dig deep in later. So that's how I started. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, so tell us about all the different real estate or all the different investment opportunities and routes out there to make to run a side house, let's just say. Uh, why did you choose real estate as your investment vehicle? I'm always interested by what, how people answer. Yeah. So I didn't take, uh, I invested a couple of stuff like outside of real estate, like, you know, stocks and those stuff. But somehow I'm not interested. There is main thing is like no control or what, yeah. uh, what went well, what, you know, going inside of that. But from real estate point of view, you know, so there are multiple advantages like, you know, tax benefits and also you get cash flow and also appreciation, you know, all these factors uh, I considered when uh, investing in real estate. So tell us how you started in single family. Were these turnkey properties? Were you uh, flipping properties? Were you, you know, what were you doing? And then kind of how that went into multifamily? Sure, absolutely. I, I started with, you know, is kind of renovation project. And also purchased, uh, you know, completely new townhome. And also I did you know, a few flips. So if you talk about, you know, single family side, first one is like, you know, renovations I purchased in North Carolina. It's a, it's a low price, uh, but, you know, and not, not so good location. So, <laughs> and I did complete renovations for that, that project, like, you know, replacing carpets, painting, and, you know, all kinds right. of stuff, electrical stuff, you know, all the stuff uh, and that project. And also, like initially, I start. I try to manage myself, but I faced some challenges. Like you know, I didn't do proper, you know, screening of tenants, and then the tenant, like you know, he paid first couple of months. Then you know, I faced some challenges with you know rent collections. So then I gave it to third party property management. You know, other stuff. Yeah, I learned a lot from that experience. You know, a lot of things went bad, and you know, uh, so when you face so many challenges, you learn a lot from that. You know. Like, you know, from that, like I learned, I, it's better to, you know, hire third-party property management to manage the property and stuff you involve in and taking care of all the stress, all this stuff, you know. Yeah, so it's interesting that because the amount of information and experience that you generate from 
self-managing a property. And as you described, the class of your property, but it's definitely a thankless job, but it's one of the most, if not the most important part of the whole real estate investing journey. The whole part of it is really property management. Did you? How did you find that property manager? And did you ever have to change them? For that one, that single family, uh, I purchased, uh, I mean, I, I find the property manager through, you know, uh, local market or local knowledge. They have brokerage company also. They have real, real estate, uh, realtor, mm-hmm. that realtors. So that, you know, I found that property management company. They are like very good in that that location, that market. They are very good. So I didn't, I didn't change them, you know. Yeah. They managed my property for one or two years. Then I sold that property, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's the whole thing is finding the manager that is well versed in the type of property that you own and in the area. And that is that gives you so much of an upside. And it's such a benefit more than just them handling the actual management of it, they can do a much better process and when they're when they just know the area and they know everything about it. So tell us about your transition. You held that for a little bit. How did you transition? Why did you transition from single family into multifamily investing? And about what year did you do this? And then we'll get into your first deal. Yeah. So that time, like uh, I was managing, you know, multiple properties. I have properties uh, scattered, multiple locations. And at the same time, I was I was working full time, you know, IT field and uh, working full time and, you know, managing these properties scattered across multiple locations, bit challenging. So mm-hmm. I felt like that stress, you know, handling like so many cars and, you know, all the stuff. So that's how, I, you know, I, I thought of, you know, shifting towards some other arena. So some some lucky I got some commercial real estate book by Peter Harris and you know I read that and like the concept of you know scaling up and uh, and leveraging property management company you know and also uh, scalability and also you know management both point of view is better option I thought it's a better option so the, that's how I explore a little bit more into multifamily space you know reading a lot of books and you know mm-hmm. articles all this stuff you know bigger explore a lot in bigger pockets. And also reading uh, read a lot of books and listen podcasts. That's how I started into multifamily space. So when I went into my first larger uh, syndication, my first syndication, which was my largest property I've ever invested into, I had a number of limiting beliefs that I had to overcome with it, right? Raising money, raising millions of dollars, working with a team that I wasn't used to working with. And what kind of limiting beliefs did you have when you started multifamily? And how did you ultimately overcome them? Yeah, yeah, that's a, a great point. You know, not only in our first part of properties, that limiting belief is always, you know, it will continue in, in multiple properties in the of the life. So during first stage, like, you know, I don't have track record of managing, you know, bigger properties. That is one limiting belief, you know. I don't know how to manage this property, another limiting belief. So through education and through, you know, uh, networking with an experienced operator. So understand about process like underwriting deals, underwriting bigger properties, and also, you know, how to raise in capital and also, you know, how to leverage experienced operators for managing properties. Multifamily is a team game, not a single family like where you can manage yourself, you know, it's a single, single person's game. Multifamily is like a team game. So you no need to be perfect in all areas, like, you know, underwriting mm-hmm. or analyzing market or sourcing deals or capitalizing or managing property or asset management, all this. You don't need to be perfect in all these areas. So if you're good at one or two areas, that is more than enough. So that kind of you know knowledge I gained by networking or by, you know, through a listening podcast or reading books. So that's how I overcome my, you know, limiting beliefs. So tell us about this first deal. How did you find the deal? So it's through broker relations and it's on market deal. 
So that's how I find that deal. And so as you were just saying, you you're working with some partners on this deal. And how did you find your partners? And you know, how did you actually vet them? I mean, obviously, your your vetting process is probably a lot different now than it was then. But how did you ultimately vet them to know that they were the right partners to work with on this property? Yeah, yeah. So I was like listening podcast. And also I started my own podcast, you know, after, you know, around 2000, I think 2020 or 2021, I started my own podcast. Mm -hmm. So And also I was attending various virtual conferences and listening to various podcasts. That's so, you know, I reached out various operators and also met various new operators or new new investors and experienced investors. That's how I find my partners, you know, podcasts and also virtual conference. Through that, I find the partners. Again, like, you know, active investors, passive investors, I followed like no like trust. That is the principle I followed. I like them. I, I know first of all, we need to know the, you know, that operator. Then mm -hmm. we need to like that operator. So then you need to trust that operator. That's how I did the my waiting process, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So in your first deal, you know, I think most operators find it difficult to raise all the money and to to make sure that uh, it, it's usually a process because it's your first time doing it. How did you capitalize the property? I mean, how much did you guys raise approximately? What did you guys get in debt? Stuff like that. Okay, sure. Absolutely. So uh, for this, my first deal, I really involved like on acquisition side. I sourced the deal and also on the right. And I did the property to solve this stuff. So I, I did uh, raise a little bit capital. Overall, it's like purchase price is around 5.1 million. So we raised close to, you know, 1.9 to 2 million. Mm -hmm. So we, we got it's a bridge debt. And uh, we will leverage experienced operators in this space to raise capital. I also raise a little bit capital, but uh, mainly we leverage experienced operators who are good at raising capital. So we realize that, you know, we leverage basically leverage the experience of others, you know, for raising capital. Yeah. So they were experienced partners that you had, the experienced indicators were your partners on this deal. What were some of the lessons that, let's say, you took away from the deal as being a first-time multifamily syndicator? I mean, what happened and, uh, you know, what have you kind of learned and brought into future properties that you've invested into? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, I learned a lot from this deal, you know, basically. So things were different, you know, before we closed this deal. Interest rates were low and, you know, then interest rate increased within rapid like within 18 months it increased like you know mm -hmm. uh, almost three points something you know that is one thing you know we, we need to plan for some kind of uncertainties so the best way is we need to keep enough for reserves cash reserves so that way we can protect you know properties uncertain times like you know uh, either higher mortgage pages or uncertain like you know repairs or maintenance issues like those kind of stuff we can we can uh, de-risk the stuff you know by keeping enough reserves another thing is like you know always we need to be more proactive mm -hmm. especially from you know operations point of view so more proactive and asking our right questions and you know don't accept you know whatever they throw so i mean especially management point of view you know we need to be more proactive and find the solution and you know those kind of stuff is very, very uh, key key lessons I learned from this one. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of great lessons. Did you guys keep the same property manager that you've had when you started till now? Yes, yes. So we, okay. we are same property manager. We are continuing. Yes. Okay. I always ask that because, uh, as we we're saying before, how important property management is. But the switchover from property management is a huge process and very time consuming. <laughs> 
And then also it's it's just a very difficult process. So it's something that uh, if you have worked with it or if your partners had worked with that manager beforehand, it makes the process so much easier because that's one thing that you don't have to worry about changing down the road. And you also know how each other works. So it makes it for a stronger business relationship. Yeah, exactly. I want to add a couple of other points also. Uh, other point is like, we need to do proper, you know, thorough due diligence before mm-hmm. bringing in like, you know, right property management company. So success in operation side. So bringing right team, right uh, team with, you know, right values, you know, similar kind of values, you know, even yeah. n- not only property management company, even with, you know, other partners also, you know, you need to bring, you know, right kind of team. Yeah, th- that matters. Do you have money sitting in the stock market and you're worried about it? Or worse, you have money sitting at the bank, not keeping up with inflation? My name is Charles Carrillo, founder and managing partner of Harborside Partners. And since 2006, I've been investing my money and my family's money into income-producing properties. These are real assets, real properties with real addresses that produce real cash flow. At Harborside Partners, we provide passive investors who love real estate with a turnkey investing solution. If you want to put your money to work in real estate but can't find deals, don't have the time to get funding, and the last thing that productive people want to do is manage real estate. We find the deals, we fund the deals, and we manage the tenants, the termites, and the properties. Partner with us at investwithharborside.com. That's investwithharborside.com. Go to investwithharborside.com. If you love real estate, you like the idea of passive income, and believe that income-producing properties will appreciate over time, go to investwithharborside.com. That's investwithharborside.com. When you're buying a property, there's always, you can do your due diligence, but there's always what I call like for the first few months of owning a property is really the initial stabilization period, which is where you really figure out exactly what's happening in the property. And there's there's always surprises, but you can protect for that. What were some of the surprises that maybe you, you realized after purchasing the property that you weren't aware of it before? Yeah. So there is, I think one, I think it's kind of plumbing issue or some kind mm-hmm. of issue. So that issue we uh, we uncovered like after you know after we took over the property you know that is definitely kind of surprise you know and also other thing is like you know speed of execution also one other thing I learned from this you know from this property you know managing this property. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Plumbing is you can check. I mean, usually when you're doing it, you're just uh, you're sneaking lines and stuff like that and making sure it is. But there's many times I've purchased properties and there's there's plumbing issues with it that you you find and then you have to rectify. But there's only so much due diligence you can do when you're walking a property. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it's the only way you really protect against that I have found is just like you said before, uh, having the reserves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you have any unknowns, you have to increase those reserves and hopefully you don't need them. But if you do, you you have them, which is great. Yeah, I just want to add another thing is like uh, before purchasing, we we expect like it, things will go like as planned, but sometimes it may not yeah. go as planned. It will take more time than what we expected. You know, we, we need to plan all this stuff and also we need to keep enough results, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you invest a lot as a passive investor. And this is always an interesting thing because myself as a passive investor for many years in real estate and in other assets, how do you de-risk your investments as a limited partner? So yeah, definitely, you know, the other factor I mentioned, like no like trust, right? There are different levels of no like trust, right? First thing always like operators, uh, you need to like a no trust these operators. Finding good operators is always, you know, first and biggest thing uh, as a passive investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, then next level is like, you know, market level. You need to do a lot of research about the market, whether population growth or job growth or, you know, landlord friendly, 
then sub-market level, you know, current trends and projected trends, what kind of business plan uh, this operator is executing. And the next level is you no know, property level and what what kind of property is class A, class B, class C, and track record about this this uh, operator about this this kind of asset classes, you know. And is that properties in good sub-market or those kind of stuff also I need to do. We need to do to, to avoid any kind of risks. Yeah. How did you find your operators when you started the process as, as you say, know, like, and trust them? Yeah. So I found them through like, you know, through mastermind groups and also through podcasts and also conferences. That's how I found mm-hmm. operators. And always, you know, I think conference is the best way to find the operators. Yeah. And then, you know, podcasts and, you know, or books and some other ways, meetups, you know. Yeah, I have to say, I just, this just reminds me is that a lot of the LPs are, uh, a lot of the GPs I've invested with passively, I've met through conferences. And whether I met them directly or I met someone that introduced me to them, it's a lot of face-to-face and it's, you know, conferences, that's one of the great things is you're able to really meet someone, talk to them, even if it's for a few minutes and you you understand a little bit more about them than you can virtually. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You feel the energy and also you feel the, you know, leadership style, you know, all this stuff. Right. So what kind of mistakes have you made as a limited partner or maybe things you didn't do initially that you do now when you're reviewing a new passive investment? Because I know for myself, I have a list of things that I never did on my first one. But many years later, I check through as before I invest. Yeah. So my first day, like I didn't do too too much of due diligence. Like I I did it only like operator level. So Mm -hmm. I trusted that operator I invested. But now if I if I need to invest, like I will do like all three levels I mentioned, like, you know, in a operator level, market level, and also property level. And also I will do a little bit on like landlord, all this stuff also. What are the things like, I, I didn't do much mistakes, but maybe I will not take too much time to invest in any passive investment deal. Maybe I will move a little bit speed, a little bit faster by investing any good, uh, good if I feel it is good uh, passive investing opportunity, I would directly invest, you know, without delaying or without wait for another, you know, good opportunity. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So make your decisions faster. Don't drag your feet. It's a difficult thing because you don't know when you're reviewing, you don't know exactly what to look at. And now being on the other side of it and buying properties, I really know the things that I'm looking for, not only in my partners that I'm working with, but also like you said, the market, the property level, right? So you can tell a lot. I don't even have to look at the operator. I can look, first of all, just at the market and at the neighborhood and at like some of the rental comps and how close they are. So I know. And then, you know, Google Earth it and I see what's around it. Like these things that can be done and what we're talking about 20 minutes, you can really move forward and kind of make your set and then like really dig in, I guess, if you're, you know, into a more in-depth analysis, if you if they they warrant that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. More come because of you no know, active sites, so I can see the business plan and the in enter caps, exit caps, all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, uh, interest rates, all this stuff. Also, I'm aware of that. So based on that, you know, so by seeing underwritings, the business plan, okay, whether this guy can execute this plan, whether this plan is realistic or not, you know, that's right. stuff also there, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, the realistic, because you you don't really know. And I think finding the comps and looking at their rental comps, because I've seen this before with new syndicators that have brought me deals to invest with them many years ago. It doesn't really happen that much anymore, but it would be something that would say you're they're giving you a comp and it's miles away. And you're just it just doesn't hold any water. It might as well be in another state because it just it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And these are things that you can if you're not looking at these things, very simple metrics that they're putting in there, it can make it from 
possibly their numbers are accurate to maybe they're not accurate at all. So yeah, um, yeah. Normally brokers will share that kind of comps. So maybe <clears> they might pick up from that. No. Uh, so you gave a lot of great information about you. Do what would be some of them if someone was coming to you and they wanted to become a passive investor? What would be some of the main advice that you would give them? I know you had your three points, which maybe <laughs> you can go over again. But is there any other advice that you would give to them to a new and passive investor? I will suggest them to attend, you know, conferences or you know, meet you know operators. Feel that you know maybe target more uh, experienced passive investors. That is the best way, you know, you mm. can learn about passive investing side. Yeah, it's interesting when you ask passive investors, and if I get on a call with someone that's been through many cycles, so they've invested, they got their money back, they invested, they got their money back, hopefully, they their questions are much different from a new investor. And yeah. you try to, you know, you're answering to what they think is important, but you're also, you want to make sure that they understand the business and and like really what the business plan is. And so that's that's great advice. Yeah, um, and also they can get references for the good operators and all the track record also you'll know from, you know, experienced uh, passive investors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I always like asking is uh to new people that might be investing with us potential investors is that what were your past experiences whether that's active or passive how did that work out and yeah not that any names or anything like this but you just so you have an idea of like what do they really want and what weren't they getting and a lot of times it's communication yeah it's they're just lacking a lot on communication which i understand it gets busy as a general partner but it's one of those things is that you have to put out those updates and you have to get back to your investors right away to answer questions and to really field anything that they might have lacking knowledge on yeah yeah, absolutely. So you 15 years as an IT professional, I think eight years as a real estate investor. What do you think are the main factors that have uh, contributed to your success over the years? Yeah, definitely, you know, persistent. Persistence is one of the key aspects uh, that helped me to move forward and uh, get some success. And another thing is, you know, growth mentality, growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And also learning new things. These are the things mainly helping me to success, you know. And never give up, you know. Uh, it's, there are so many challenges uh, as a general partner, finding deals or, you know, getting deals, all this stuff. So never give up attitude also help me to successful. That's great. What have you found to be your your biggest challenge, let's say professionally, whether it's in your career or whether it's in real estate? Well, I think at this point, finding good deals is a big challenge mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. So, yeah. It's always a tough spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how can our listeners learn more about you and your business? So there are multiple ways they can reach out to me. So I do organize virtual conferences. It's called mm -hmm. multifamilyap360.com. That is one way they can, you know, uh, attend my virtual conference. And uh, the other way, like, you know, if they want to learn more about my investing opportunities, or also if they want support and coaching side, they can reach out to me through info info at ushacapital.com, ushacapital.com. That's how they can reach out to me. Yeah, that's great. I will put that link into the show notes there. And uh, Rama, thank you so much for coming on today. A lot of great information and uh, looking forward to connecting with you here in the near future. Thank you very much, Charles. Thank you. And uh, thank you for this opportunity. Hi, guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. 
Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars LLC exclusively.